to Pinder and Steinberg. Calgary Sports Talk in the afternoon. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, tonight doesn't feel like the Battle of Alberta. I, I can be perfectly honest with this. This feels a little different than the last few games the Flames have played. Instead of the Oilers, who are right there with Calgary in the playoff mix, it's the Sharks who are having a disastrous season and are 10 points back of the Calgary Flames in the Western Conference standings. This one does not have the same type of juice that the, really, the last three games have had. You come out of the break and you've got the defending Stanley Cup champions in your barn, then a home and home with the Edmonton Oilers. Like there's, there's juice in all three of those games. This game does not have that same type of feel. This does not have the same natural motivation. I know, Kleiner, they're professionals. It shouldn't be a problem. This should never be an issue, right? Like, you get paid X amount of dollars to play sports. You should always be ready. That's what the that's the refrain that we hear so often from the outside, but right. that's not realistic. It never happens that way, and I can't sit here and say it won't be an issue. We've wondered about this at different times. Look at the last few games they played on the road before the break. Games in Montreal and Ottawa, which were very similar, didn't have that same type of natural oomph to it. And look at how flat the Flames fell in those two games and, and how poorly they played. So I do I, I worry about that tonight. And they they don't have the option to fall flat. They're not in a situation where they've got a cushion and if they have a, a rough outing or two, it doesn't mean anything. But I worry about it because it's happened this season. It's happened multiple times this season. And they're coming off three highly competitive, emotional, passionate games, specifically the last two, and now play a Sharks team that you look at and you say, geez, th this ain't the San Jose Sharks we're used to. That's, that's, to me, the most interesting angle of tonight's game is what the Flames come with, what they bring to the table tonight, because I really don't know what we're going to see from them. Yeah, and there were a couple just before the break where you could kind of give them the benefit of the doubt almost. The, the Montreal game is, okay, you're just coming off of this crazy game. There was a lot of talk still about Edmonton. It's okay to kind of overlook that one. And then the Ottawa game, there was a break coming up, and it was fine. I am not going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one tonight. And I, I understand that one could, based off of everything you just said, doesn't have the same feel as the Battle of Alberta. But for 60 straight minutes, you were soundly and thoroughly dominated and got your ass kicked both literally and figuratively just up and down the ice the whole game. Just from a pride perspective, I hope there's a little bit of give a damn coming out of there tonight. I, I just, there, there are times where you can see a letdown coming. And when you look at the schedule, this should be one. But based off of how that game went, this team should be just bad out of hell right from the word go to just attack the San Jose Sharks and just dominate this game. It's a bad Sharks team based off of the injuries. You were just dominated. This shouldn't be a, okay, well, we're just going to go through the motions game. This needs to be a... Just a reminder, we're one of the top or we want to be one of the top teams in the league, and here's how we're showing it tonight. 
Okay, let me ask you this. Okay. How confident are you that that is what we actually see? I'm about 60-40 on that right now. <laughs> so not not over, maybe 55-45 would be closer to it. Not super confident because there's been a lot of times where I've said, no, look, I get that there's a chance for a letdown, but this team is going to be ready. They're going to build off of that. And, oh, they just lost to the Blackhawks. Okay, well, never mind. Um, like, yeah, that that's... So, yeah, uh, probably about 55% confident that that's going to happen tonight. And that's that's what it comes down to because I think you are bang on. That is exactly what the Flames need to do, and it is important for them to approach it like that. And if they're going to be the team that they want to be, if they're going to be the group that challenges for a division title, so on and so forth, these are the things that we need to see from them. We need to see them even in games where, I mean, look, take a look at this next week and, and who they play. We're not talking about a who's who of opposition over the next little bit. Now, Nashville, that's an important game because the Preds are going to be looking at that as a four-point game. You've got the Vancouver game in Vancouver, and that's a, a big four-point game. But you take a look at um, San Jose and Los Angeles and Anaheim and Chicago and Anaheim. That's next week, and, and those are all games that don't necessarily have that same type of oomph to them that you would want or that are easy to get up for. They're going to have to do this on a regular basis here coming up, and that could be the difference between them being a playoff team and them missing, let alone what it could do for their opportunity to win the Pacific Division. So. Yeah. That's that's really interesting to me because, you know, we're now into February. The trade deadline is three weeks away. The stretch drive is very much upon us in the league, and this is when the good teams raise their game. This is when the good teams come to play and cement themselves as elite teams. That's what the Flames aspire to be. We're 53 games into their season. They're not that right now. But if they're going to cement themselves as being a, a team to watch out for come the playoffs, this is when they're going to have to start doing it regardless of who the opposition is. 29 games to go. Let's let's start to see what they're all about. So this, this is an important stretch, but no, I can't sit here and tell you that I'm confident that it's yeah. going to happen because through 53 games this year, it hasn't happened and we haven't seen it. Well, and this is why the, the job that Brad Living has to do over the next 20 days is pretty complicated because we are sitting here, the Flames, in a playoff spot, a battle for a top three position in the Pacific Division, and still a chance of winning that division, taking on the San Jose Sharks, who have three wins in their last 10, have lost two in a row, and are a solid 12 points back of the Flames. And we are sitting here thinking, yeah, don't know what this is going to look like tonight. That has to be infuriating if you're trying to go out and make some moves that have at least a bit of impact on the future of this club while trying to improve them now. And we're still sitting here, game 54, thinking, wonder what the effort's going to be tonight. That has yeah. to be driving him absolutely insane. It is a 7 o'clock start between the Flames and the San Jose Sharks this evening. That's what we're getting set for from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight as we welcome you to Pinder and Steinberg on a Tuesday, live from the Better Business Bureau Hot Stove Lounge. Tonight's game, Calgary-San Jose, is on Sportsnet West on television, and we've got it for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, our Flames warm-up program goes at 6 o'clock. Tonight's game is brought to you by South Point Toyota. Uh, so here's what we can tell you about the lineup tonight. There are some changes. There are some things that uh, you need to watch out for. First of all, we know what the goaltending matchup is going to look like. David Riddick will go back in net for the Flames. He 
played two stints on Saturday night against the Oilers. Uh, he will get the starting net for Calgary. Aaron Dell, the Airdrie product, goes for the San Jose Sharks. He has been the superior of the two goaltenders for the Sharks this year. Dell is your starter for San Jose this evening. In terms of changes, the Flames are making a couple. The healthy scratches tonight on the back end will be Oliver Shillington. Up front will be Tobias Reeder and Zach Ronaldo. That means Michael Stone comes back in on the back and Mark Jankowski will re-enter the lineup in place of Tobias Reeder. Here's what we are projecting. It was an optional skate, so this is based on yesterday's practice, but can't imagine it being all that different from this. Up front, we're expecting Elias Lindholm to remain with Matthew Kachuk and Andrew Mangiapane. We're expecting Buddy Robinson and Johnny Gaudreau to flank Sean Monaghan once again. Derek Ryan between Milan Lucic and Dylan Dubé. And then this line, kind of interesting, we have not seen this at really any point during Mark Jankowski's time with the team. Jankowski on the left with Michael Backlund and Sam Bennett. Backlund in the middle. That's what it looked like at practice yesterday. We'll see if that's the way it goes, but Backlund with Jankowski on the wing and Bennett on the blue line, some significant changes as well. We told you Shillington out, Stone in, and also some significant changes to the pairings themselves. Giordano Anderson as a pairing. Brody Hamannick as a pairing. We haven't seen that since the 17-18 season. That went well. And it did not go so well oh. for those two, but given that a try. And Noah Hannafin with Michael Stone will be the other pairing. Hannafin, who has really struggled coming out of the break, uh, he will be bumped down and taken off a pairing with Travis Hamannick. And, and that has been about as, I don't know, that's been about as, cemented and no-brainer a pairing as we've talked about over the last number of years, basically going back to the start of last season. I mean, Giordano has seen time with Brody, and Giordano has seen time with Anderson, but how many times, other than injury, have we seen Hamannick and Hannafin play a part? We just haven't. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, you know, you go take a look going back to the beginning of last season, there are very few defense pairings in the league that have spent more time with one another at five on five than Hannafin and Hamannick has that's that's a significant change on Calgary's back end and I understand it Hannafin has really struggled that pairing hasn't been as good and now you're in a spot where you're coming off a really disappointing loss you're looking to make some changes and uh, I think a lot of people judging from the text line yesterday would agree uh Noah Hannafin's been fighting it a little bit the, the last little while so I don't mind uh, even we don't know what the, the minutes are going to look like, but we don't mind, at least on paper, a bit of a, a demotion there for him just to kind of, okay, like you, you have been a, a key part of this team for the past couple years. We fully intend on you being a key piece of this team going forward, but in the short term, kind of got to get your stuff together. So here's a, an opportunity for Anderson moving up the lineup. We'll see if Brody and Hamannick can figure whatever was ailing them from a couple years ago out. It's interesting. I, I'm not thrilled with it necessarily, but I, I don't mind. I don't mind moving Stone or moving Hannafin down. And if you're going to do that, I don't really have a better alternative than, than what they're going with. So I, I don't mind the moves. I'm with you. Jankowski on the wing is fascinating, and this is kind of an important game for him because if he's not on the wing, he's probably on the Heat or on another team with how this team stacks up down the middle. Yeah. Would you want to? Take a guess as to the three pairings that have spent more time together at even strength oh, than Hammond and Hannafin have since the beginning of last year. So 
Hannafin and Hamannick, only three other defense pairings have spent more time on the ice at five-on-five five than those two have since the beginning of last season. Shows you how significant That's a crazy. change it is to break them up. Uh, I want to take a take a guess at it. I couldn't even begin. Who? So the number the the pairing that has spent the most time together since the beginning of last season is Nashville's pairing of Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis. Oh yeah, probably should have got that. N- next is Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon in Minnesota. Huh. And then Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin in Carolina is the third pairing. Those are the only three pairings that have spent more time together at five-on-five than Travis Hamannick and Noah Hannafin has. And immediately following those two is the pairing of Giordano and Brody and how much time they've spent together. It tells you how cemented Calgary's top four has been over the last year plus, year and a half, yeah. um, going back to October 2018. Hamannick, Hannafin, number four. Giordano, Brody, number five in terms of even strength minutes played together. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. And yeah. that's that's why when you see a, a change in the top four like you're seeing tonight, it, it is pretty significant. No, it is. And we, we've seen them shuffle some pieces on that blue line. And even when there's been shuffling, aside from a hammock injury, those two have stayed the same, whether it's Anderson bouncing from the third line or from the third pair to the top pair or, or Brody moving in the opposite direction. We've seen quite a bit of movement around those two. And that one has just kind of been all reliable. So I, I don't mind them making a, a bit of a change. Like I said, that second pair has struggled for the last few games. So I don't mind them making a, a bit of a change to that tonight. On the text line at 960-960, somebody, uh, bad word alert, bad word alert. Yes, Peter did use a bad word earlier in the show. Um, what? You need uh, you need to be, you use the A word, Peter. Oh, come on. Um, you need to be disciplined. I also so, said hell, too, back, like back to back. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Watch out. Wash your mouth out with soap, <laughs> sit in the corner, and I will discipline you later. Ooh. Uh, what else we got? You'd, you'd think they would respond with a good effort coming off a poor showing and playing an important game against a team you should beat, but I have no confidence whatsoever they'll do that. This team is so impossible to read. They could win or lose by a 5-1 score tonight, and neither would surprise me. This reads, this team is not like that. They play when they feel like it, then make excuses about their starts or how they play. This reads, my hope for tonight is Lucic shows he actually gives a damn after all the scrutiny the past few days. I won't hold my breath. This says, uh, guys, good job as usual. I see it. The Flames have a decent collection of players but are not a good team. If they make the playoffs, Delt will get past the first round. This reads, I like the idea of Jankowski on the wing. It worked decently well with Joe Colburn. We'll see. I mean, we've never seen it before. Um... Also defined but, decently well. I mean, Colburn, what, didn't yeah, he have he a... All right. He had the one year where... Yeah. The one last half of the year when he would was moved to the wing and was playing with Backland. Yeah, where and nothing mattered, and he just lit it up. Yeah, and he finished with 19 goals that year. That was the pinnacle of Joe Colburn's career, and really, we haven't seen him in the NHL much since. Uh, and uh, Colorado off that? What's that? He went to Colorado, yeah. had a hat trick in his first game, scored one more That's goal right. the rest of the year, <laughs> and then I, I don't believe Joe's playing anymore. Um, really? I think that- yeah, I think that his, uh, I think he has uh, hung him up for the hockey career. It's wow. Been, um, I believe that's accurate. Um, yeah, he played played in the American League in I think seventeen eighteen. Yeah, there's nothing on his hockey DB page after hasn't that. Hasn't played since. Wow. Um, and then finally, uh, discipline you later. Well, that's off putting, Patrick. Yeah, try being me. 
exactly how I wanted it to come across. <laughs> this is when I get that reaction, you just embolden me even more right. to remain creepy. I am curious to see how David Riddick bounces back tonight because here's the interesting thing about Riddick. This is an emotional goaltender. This is a very fiery goaltender. And he has now been, whether you think it should be or not, he has now been the center of a, I'm trying to use the right word. I'm going to use air quotes. You can't see him, but I'm very emphatically using air quotes when I say controversy. He has been part of something that has been blown up a little bit and has been talked about the people in Edmonton the fans the players were not happy with what he did six days ago with the stick flip following the shootout win he was chirped about it he was chirped when he was pulled in the game on Saturday uh, there were comments in the media about it afterwards he's been a center of attention so this is an emotional goaltender coming off uh, a rough performance on Saturday against a team that is an arch rival for the Flames, and now he found himself in the middle of something yesterday. Because he's such an emotional guy, because he's such a fiery guy, I want to see if that impacts him positively or negatively as he gets the start tonight. I don't know the answer as to how it's going to affect him, but that is one of the main things I'm watching tonight to see how he responds knowing how emotional a goaltender, emotional a player he is. Yeah, and we've seen before, he he's taken these types of things pretty rough, so we will see how how he's able to handle that tonight. He does strike me as one who'll be able to put that behind him and I think just so move too. forward. I think so, too, but you never know, right? Well, oh, yeah. I mean, not often. Like, that game was so weird, especially from a goaltending perspective. The team in front of him was absolutely terrible. That time I almost used an actual bad word. Uh, the, the team in front of him was absolutely terrible, and he, he was kind of hung out to dry quite a bit. I'm not saying that, oh, I mean, eight, can't blame the goalies for those, but um, it, it was such a weird game all around where he gets pulled and has to come back in because the guy he used to play with got in a fight with his teammate. You don't really know how a guy's going to bounce back from that because not necessarily a situation that comes up a whole lot. So it's going to be interesting. I, I'm i not overly concerned about Riddick. I would say of the, the guys who are playing tonight, he's at the very bottom of my concerned about list. But it, it is something to keep an eye on, especially if San Jose can get off to a, a good start tonight. Another one of those score a minute in or something like that and perhaps things start to unravel. So this is one of a number of reasons why getting off to a good start is going to be crucial for the Flames this evening, just to kind of give their goalie a bit of confidence and just kind of get back into that rhythm. Well, I can be pretty confident they'll get out to a better start than they did against Edmonton on Saturday because you can't really get out to a worse start than they did on Saturday. That was, um, well, that was horrid. Yep. They were down one nothing and two nothing, twenty nine and sixty five seconds in, and the building was electric for the other side. <laughs> it was now this is not going to be a a night of dueling fans. You're not going to hear a lot of go sharks go in the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. This is it's a little bit different than when the Oilers are in town, but still, yeah, get out to a good start. 
play with a lead, don't be chasing, and give your goaltender a chance. If I were to lean one way or the other, I'm with you. I don't think that this is going to affect him in a you know big-time negative way, but you never know. And when you're talking about a guy that plays with a heart on his sleeve and all that type of stuff, you always wonder when he's never really been a part of this type of stuff before. He's never been viewed as a villain in another city before. I don't think he should be, but he has been, and, and he's got another team that dislikes him, and he was pretty passionate when, when talking to the media about it yesterday. He's never been in this type of spot before, so I'm curious to see how he responds. We shall see. He gets the start. Airdrie's Aaron Dell gets the start in net for San Jose this evening. Uh, be tuned in a little bit later on as part of the Sports Drive at 5 inside the NHL brought to you by Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Hey, has our goaltending analyst Brent Cron ever been in a fight before? He's going to answer that question as we look back on the Battle of Alberta with our goaltending analyst next. Brent Cron around the corner. This is Pinder and Steinberg underway on a game day Tuesday. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hi, hi, Brent. Did you have FM radio growing up in Winkler, Manitoba? I did, buddy. I lived close to Winnipeg. You guys have kept me on hold for five minutes while I had to listen to you two mud fences talk about Love Inc. It was, it was, I was about to hang up, to be honest with you. are an American Hockey League star. Such morons. We need to grow a set of stones here. Well, he sounds like my career, minus the two Stanley Cups. Tire fires, gas cans, the list goes on for you two idiots. But you know what? I do have fun when I do get on. So I have a bunch of other names for you guys, too, that obviously doesn't make it to air. Did any of the current and former NHLers know who you were? Or are they just like, who's this guy that they got off the street to play goal? Everybody, every, everybody knew who I was. How could you forget a first-round bust? Exactly. Oh, that was high-level drive-by stuff right there. I give you credit for that. Yeah. Now, what is it uh, with you and Will Nault? Well, I just he sucks. <laughs> there it is. You know? Fair enough. I yeah. just it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, how long have you been holding on to that one? That's, uh, that's breaking me down into the fetal position right now. <laughs> and that is your NHL goaltending gold analyst. Yeah. yeah. With you two slugs, I'll tell you what I. It's just nice to be able to feel important carrying the show for 20 minutes. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you carried us both on your back. Good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Bye, Kron. Suck it, Will. And now we say hello to our goaltending analyst, Brent Kron, as he's going to carry the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Are you ready for that? Uh, are you ready for that responsibility, Croner? I am. You know what? I've also uh, been trying to digest a bacon king here for the last 30 <laughs> minutes, so I'm, I'm, I'm multitasking today. That seems like I saw him earlier, and this guy was housing like two liters of caffeine. This is this is not yeah. a healthy existence, right? Well, I mean, it, it 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 speeds up my metabolism to increase just to break down that that burger the that I'm crushing cake. while I'm while I'm driving to Lloydminster. Yeah, that metabolism is flying for sure. <laughs> That's the first thing I think of when I when see I him. think Kron, I think about a meta. Does that guy drink nothing but green tea or what? He's, that's uh, that's what I think about when I think Brent Kron. He's the Usain Bolt of metabolism. See, I take care of myself, boys. That's all I got to sure say. Uh, why you're on your way to Lloyd right now? Hey. Yeah, well, yeah it, the roads are beautiful. It's crisp white sheen. Looking around, snow looks nice. I'll be there roughly around 5 o'clock. Going to go up for a little bit of dinner tonight, catch the Flames game, watch them crush the San Jose Sharks tonight. 
Well, how did you uh, how did you take in Saturday's game between the Flames and the Oilers? <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was nice to actually want a hockey game where two teams genuinely don't like each other. Um, everybody, I was at my son's hockey tournament over the weekend. The family and I, and we were all like all the guys were around the TV watching the game. And even though it was a an eight three game for the Oilers, it was just there was so much going on. It was so nice to be like just like I said, want to watch a hockey game that there's, there's so many storylines running throughout. Uh, um, you know, I mean, obviously the, the Riddick stick flip and the, the Chuck Cassian narrative there. I mean, there's so much going on. You can see the players just chirping each other on the ice. And, and I loved every second of it because, you know, the, the conflict uh, and, and just the, the personalities that are coming out too. I mean, hockey's a, a sport that kind of gets run by the code. You don't want to give – give teams bulletin board material. That's what you're always told by your coaches. Don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything that could ignite the other team. Give them something to, to get fired up for. And, and I mean, this, this game, especially for the Oilers on Saturday, was there was a ton of bulletin board material. The first game after the holiday break there, uh, the Flames beat a sleepy Oilers team. You know, then you, then you fast forward and you're in Calgary. They went 4-3 and the whole Cassian-Kachuk thing started. And then they're in Edmonton. And the Flames win in a shootout, and, and Riddick flips the stick. And, uh, and then Saturday night, everybody's tuned in. There's personalities galore. There's hatred. I loved every second of it. Well, let's, there's, there's a lot of different ways we can go, but let's, let's start with the stick flip. They were they, they, they did not go over well in Edmonton, we found out, because after the win on Saturday, Leon Dreisaitl called it disrespectful. Mike Smith said what goes around comes around. So they didn't like it in the Oilers' locker room. Did you have any issue with David Riddick doing that following the win on Wednesday? As a fan, I did not, because it made me want to watch the game Saturday. I knew the Oilers were going to be out for blood. That stick flip would have pissed me off, too. I'd actually, as a goaltender, I was never like that. I, I had a personality, but I kept it behind the mask. Um, throwing my stick would never have crossed, crossed my mind. Eyeballing a guy after a save would have never really crossed my mind. And Riddick brought that on himself. I, I had zero problems with it from an entertainment aspect. I'm sure if I was his teammate... Uh, I would have a bit of an issue with it because it, it, it makes it, – you don't need to fire up the Edmonton Oilers. You don't need to fight up the opponents. And, and that was pretty easy for him. It was, it was almost embarrassing for Dreisaitl. Like you said, it was disrespectful. I wasn't a big fan of the move. I, I thought that, uh, uh, you know, maybe Riddick – he's such an emotional guy that we've talked about all season long. I think he was just so excited to win the game that it was almost unconscious for him. And then after he – you know, flipped the stick and, and, and gave the old horse side a, a to dry side. He probably realized, oh, wait a second, that's kind of not the norm on how guys guys behave. So I know the Oilers kind of stuck that in their back pocket and used that as motivation. Then you see Riddick get pulled in the second period, and he's got to skate by that bench. And just the, everybody's mouth was moving. And, and you know, you, you got to give Riddick some credit. He, he stood in there, he took it, he even chirped back a little bit, and that speaks to his personality and the way he is. But uh, you know, and then he has to go in there, and then Gaetan Haas beats him on a on a on a penalty shot. And I I think one of the players on the Oilers, like Yamamoto, I think they panned to. I think he was trying to tell him to, to 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 flip his stick or drop his stick after he scored that one. So there's so there's so many narratives to it. I loved every second of it from a fan's perspective. The goaltender, a former. And it'll be a big test. Uh, to play the Sharks to kind of dial it back a little bit and be refocused because his confidence 
Let's uh, let's uh, Kleiner. Let's drop Klein. Uh, let's uh, drop Kron and yeah. reconnect. Uh, just because uh, he's uh, going a little haywire. Once we reconnect, it should be fine. Brent Kron is with us on his way to Lloyd Minster. Uh, he joins us on the program. Our goaltending analyst this afternoon. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. Pinder and Steinberg is underway. Uh, and in just a second, Croner is going to give his recounting of his first goaltending fight uh, because we did see in that game, we were talking about Riddick and the stick flip and that type of stuff. We did see in that game Mike Smith and Cam Talbot go toe-to-toe, and it was pretty darn entertaining. And, and uh, I've, I've, always, I've always been fascinated by the goaltending, goaltender fight. I've always been fascinated by uh, that happening as rarely as it does. We are, are rejoined with Kron now. Uh, so that's the David Riddick stuff, and, and Riddick gets pulled, comes back in. And the reason he had to come back in on Saturday was because we got the Mike Smith, Cam Talbot, uh, mano a mano at center right incident before we get into that you have you ever been in a goalie fight before have you ever dropped the gloves with another goalie give, give us your experience well i've i've completely embarrassed myself um in 2004 during the lockout we were playing the portland pirates and maxime Ouellet was playing goal on the other end and we were winning four nothing or five nothing with a few minutes left in the game and uh there was a scrum in front of the net and, and Max decided he wanted to kind of jump in the pile, give the guys a few face washes. He was frustrated. I was obviously outplaying him that night. I was on top of my game. He was frustrated. And he was just giving it to the guys. And I took exception to that. And I, we were in Lowell, Massachusetts. And I, I believe the Patriots, it was a Sunday, and the Patriots were playing. So there was probably about 800 people in the building, Max. And I just shoot out of my net like I've been shot out of a cannon. I'm skating down the ice. And the guys on the bench are looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? And I, they've never seen me skate it that fast before. I'm bombing down the ice at a good clip. I come flying in there. I give Max a shot. I throw off my blocker. And as I do that, the referee comes in or the linesman. And he grabs my arm, my right arm, and he puts me in a chicken wing. And all I got now is my glove on. I can't take it off because it's strapped onto my hand, so I can't throw it off. And Max Willett proceeds to try and hammer me with his blocker well, I'm playing catch with my glove. And that was kind of went on for about 25 seconds. It was so embarrassing. And then the referee skates up to me and gives me a few expletives and says, holy crap, Kron, <laughs> that was so embarrassing. Just get your ass back in the net. I'm not even going to give you a penalty. And just try and save your shutout and just please don't ever do this again. And I was like, throw me out of the game. Give me something. I want to go back and obviously pretend like I knew what I was doing. And the boys sure did give me a hard time when I got in the dressing room afterward. They were they were calling me. It was just it was hilarious. I I I wanted to do it again throughout my career, but never got the chance. So the the referee was the reason why you couldn't get to Maxwellette. Well, pretty much. That's exactly right. Yeah, I put myself in my my own chicken wing, and uh, and it was it was embarrassing. Um, I was even chuckling to myself like this looks awful. I want to see the video. I want to see the replay of this. I want to see the the game tape so I can dissect it because I think I had a shot. But obviously, I was my efforts were thwarted by the stripes. Have you? Did you save your shutout? Did you end up with uh, with the goose egg that night? Of course I did. Come on now. <laughs> That's a fair question. Not a lot of shutouts in that pro career, so I wanted to make sure you got that one. <laughs> Brent Cron's with us. <laughs> I truly am. Our NHL goaltending <laughs> analyst is with us on the program today. 
Okay, so that's your first goalie fight experience. Now, put us in the the skates of Cam Talbot when Darnell Nurse tells him that, hey, Smith's waiting down there. Mike Smith is just doing the Ken Dryden at center ice, leaning on his stick, waiting for Talbot. Out comes Talbot, and now they go. Would you have ever uh, obliged Mike Smith? Like Smitty seems like a tough guy to fight. For sure. You know what, and, and it just... Cam Talbot's got balls. It's probably the longest three-second skate of his life to get to center ice. Uh, Smitty's obviously got the height, and he's got, he's got the weight. And Smitty's a pretty, pretty aggressive guy, too. He was licking his chops sitting there at the red line. I think he, he wasn't shocked that Cam Talbot came down, but, but I'm sure he was probably just a tad bit surprised that he actually followed through with it. And good on Cam Talbot for, for getting in the mix. I mean, that's got to be a scary run down there where, you know, you're waiting for a guy, Mike Smith's just waiting for you, and you know he's going to beat the hell out of you. So, you know, Talbot did the best he could. He took a few shots and, and then went down, and I thought he did an admirable job. You have no choice at that point, too. I mean, the game, the, the, the Flames were, were horrible defensively, and they were hanging Talbot out to dry, and, and he's just probably sitting there like, I, he's, not even, he's not even responsible for the spark when it comes to a fight, but it's a challenge. You don't want to back down. He didn't back down. He stepped up, went to fight, and, and, uh, and then the rest is history. I'm sure he earned a lot of credit from his from his teammates and, and coaching staff that, you know, he's, he's, he's going to do whatever it takes. And he stepped up to the challenge and I thought he did well. I, I was happy for him. Have you, have you ever been part of a rivalry as, as heated or close to as heated as this one has turned into at any point in your career? Well, you know what, the, when I was with the Hitman playing the Rebels uh, 10 times a season, and both teams were really good. We had Steve and Pete, they had Jimmy Vandermeer and a bunch of other players, Jason Mapletoft, and there was a lot of scraps and scrums. And, and I started playing in that Western Hockey League, too, where there was, there was uh, 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 the, the, the teams warmed up separately. The visiting team went out to warm up, and then the, uh, then the home team went to warm up and just to prevent fights. Uh, so I would say the Hitman and the Rebels would be one. Um, even in the lockout year, uh, Lowell and Providence, we, we seem to like to get into the mix all the time. Uh, it was just, uh, but nothing quite like, nothing quite like the Flames and the Oilers. I mean, that, that was pretty spectacular Saturday night. Uh, and you know what, as much as the league wants to deny that, you know, this wasn't, this is not good for the sport. I tell you what, everybody stopped when the fights were going on. Everybody stood up. Uh, you know, my kids who, you know, yeah, we'll see McDavid score a goal. Yeah, that's great. You know, let's watch it on the highlights. But during the fight, everybody, the, the whole world stopped turning for that 10 minutes there. It was, it was incredible. I loved, I loved every second of it. Stephen Pete, that guy was as tough as they come, hey? Like, that guy, oh. that guy was terrifying. He was. And then the Lethbridge had uh, Eric Goddard, who was an absolute machine. And then Saskatoon had, had Darcy Hortichuk. And so it was just between the four hockey clubs, it was, I, I can just remember so many fights with Pete when, you know, he had a high kind of voice like, like Mike Tyson and he would try and chirp guys and then they dropped the gloves. And I, I can remember the sound of his fists hitting their flesh and I would just sit there and go, Ooh, that, that sucks. Oh, that's another tough one. Ooh, wow. They're just beating the hell out of guys for the fun of it. It was crazy. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, final thought before we uh, wrap up with Brent Cron, our goaltending analyst. It's the Sharks tonight for the Flames, a Sharks team that has struggled all year. It's been a disastrous season in San Jose. But one of the interesting subplots to it is how Aaron Dell has 
taken over as the more trusted goaltender there. Martin Jones has been dreadful. He's got an 889 save percentage. It's a it's a second really rough year for him. And here's Airdrie's Aaron Dell, who is sitting with a 911 save percentage, and he's been significantly better than the other guy. Just a thought on how this goaltending situation has evolved for the Sharks. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Martin Jones, like you said, he, he struggled last season. He kind of got it together at, at, towards the end where he had that phenomenal overtime game against Vegas to basically keep the Sharks alive and end up winning it in seven games. And I thought, me personally, that was something for him to build off of, that he would, he would be a lot better this season. But Martin Jones just looks lost in the net. He, he, does, he has no confidence whatsoever. He's a, he's a tall goaltender, and, and he, he plays the percentages. He's not going to beat you with his quickness or his reflexes, but he's just, he plays the percentages really well, and he's got a lot of poise. But he just looks lost out there. And then you've got Aaron Dell coming in. He's a lot more athletic of a goaltender. He's a smaller guy. Um, he's a lot more active in the net. And, and he's actually done really well for himself. To, you know, he's played 24 games this season, and, and he's just chugging along. The, the, the Sharks need needs stability in that position and it seems like he's kind of given the, the best chance to win every night and he could really do something special for him it's been a tough year for the sharks and you know uh it all kind of starts in goal when your goaltenders aren't that great and you know your coaches get fired the team's doing poor but if you can just solidify that position even like a team like the colorado avalanche where they have grubauer and net who's not a clear-cut number one guy but can just make the saves when you need it and and be consistent that's what they need right now to kind of slow things down in net for, for San Jose, and Aaron Dell seems to be giving him that. So it'll be another good challenge. He doesn't do overly great in Calgary. I've uh, been to a couple games when watching him play, and he's there's been some high-scoring affairs, but uh, you know he's definitely playing a lot better, and uh, I'm sure he'll do well tonight. As a parting gift, here's a text on our text line to you, Kron. Uh Hey, guys, listening from KFC in Lloydminster, tell Brent we're excited to see him again. <laughs> The dirty bird. Can't wait. <laughs> Drive safe, punk. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> See you, boys. That's Brent NHL goaltending analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is Pender and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We got Peter Klein with us on this Tuesday game day. Mr. Klein, what do we got? All right, question number one. Uh, As has been discussed over the last little bit, not exactly the San Jose Sharks year so far this year. Uh, Do you believe this is a one-year blip, or is this the start of some big problems in San Jose? I think this is the beginning of the end. Now, does that mean that they can't bounce back and be more competitive next year? No, I don't think that's out of the question, but I think their window to truly compete for a Stanley Cup and win a Stanley Cup with this core group, I believe that it is done. Um, we're talking about the big the big driving forces of this era of Sharks hockey have been Couture, Pavelski, Burns, Thornton, Vlasic, those have been the driving forces of it. Well, Pavelski's gone. Vlasic looks like he has fallen off a cliff significantly. Uh, Burns is still a good player, and I, I'm not really worried about him falling off immediately, but, you know, he's still got a lot of time left on that contract. Uh, Couture, still good, hurt right now, but still a good player. But this, and, and, and Joe Thornton might be playing his final year in the NHL. So all those things combined, I like Hurdle. 
I like Meyer. I like some of what they have on this team, but I don't believe that they are ready to start their next cycle of being a Stanley Cup contender. So I believe that this is the window being closed. I believe that window is officially closed and sealed, and now they have to start working at reopening it again and becoming that not just competitive team, but a Stanley Cup winner again. And I'm curious to see if it's going to be Doug Wilson who is the architect of that or if he'll be given the shot to be the architect of that. That's that's where I'm at right now with the Sharks. Yeah, and I, I would tend to agree. So you get the uh, the check mark for this one. But yeah, th- this, th- this does not feel like just, a, oh, we'll be back next year. This is kind of, well... This is probably going to be a bit of pain here in San Jose before things like, get back to normal. Let me ask you normal. this. Do you know who Alexander True is? Uh, I had to Google that one today when we were uh, or what going about through. Yeah. Maxim Latunov. Uh, you're making names up now. That's These that's two players are making their NHL debuts tonight for the San Jose Sharks. I'm not making that up. Oh, wow. Yep. Well, until Alexander I see it, I still True, think it's... Maxim Latunov will both make their NHL debuts. Huh. Well, I mean, congratulations getting to see the start of the Latunov era, but um, I, I think it might be might be a bit of uh, discomfort in San Jose for the next little while. I wonder if there are big moves that they could make, but it's just like any like any big contract they have, I don't think anyone's taking that thing on. So it's going to be, yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be a while before they get themselves out of uh, any kind of trouble in San Jose. Speaking of teams with big contracts, the Toronto Maple Leafs lose Freddie Anderson last night as they blow a lead against Florida and end up falling to the Panthers 5-3. to three. With that, Toronto is now out of a playoff spot, one point back, but uh, the Islanders, who hold that last wildcard spot, have three games in hand on the Leafs with 29 games left, and their starting goalie now day-to-day with a neck injury. Scale of 1-10, to 10, where should the panic level be in Toronto? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it should be low. Um, I still think that's a good enough team to make the playoffs. I still believe that is a team that should be in the playoffs, but it's it's not like they're sitting pretty right now. Philadelphia is still very much a factor. Florida isn't going away. That was a four-point game last night. The Panthers have won seven of their last eight games. Like this is this is not a good spot to be in if you're the Maple Leafs. Now the good news is you're tied with Florida for the final playoff spot in the Atlantic. You're a point back of the New York Islanders. It's not like Philadelphia, the Islanders, Columbus, Florida. It's not like any of these teams have solidified playoff spots and it's not like you've got much else that you're fighting with you've only got one other team that is on the outside looking in and truly in the fight and that's the Carolina Hurricanes so you know you're talking about probably for the Maple Leafs you're talking about a fight for the Atlantic and a fight for the wild card which is a better spot to be in than maybe only fighting for one I still think this team should be a playoff team. The good news is Frederick Anderson doesn't sound like he's going to be out long term, which is the best news possible if you're going to be dealing with injury news. But yeah, I have the panic level should be high. This team is a maxed out cap team. They pay more for player personnel than anyone in the NHL. They do things differently with their bonus structures and all that type of stuff. This is a maxed out team salary wise. And yet here they are on the outside looking in for a playoff spot. That's that's absolutely something I'd be worried about. And if I'm in Toronto, I'd be worried about it too because it's been a little bit of a struggle for them consistency-wise this season. All right. Well, good analysis there. Um, I was looking for a number and don't believe you provided one. So you do oh, get sorry, the question sorry. wrong. 
Um, no, it's too late now. Uh, but no, good analysis, and I agree with everything you said there. I would say that uh, my panic level um, would be like somewhere in the seven range in Toronto. How's yeah. that? No, that's. I, I think you're pretty spot on with that. Like Anderson's the only goalie there who's been able to win anything this year. Now, if he's out for any length of time, they're either going to have to go overspend for a backup goalie or just try to outscore all of their problems. Um, so I, I think a bit of an issue in, in Toronto right now. Quick aside, if the playoffs were to start today, uh, first round in the East would be Boston against Philadelphia, and I am very much here for that. I think that would be amazing. Uh, okay. Last question. The New York Knicks uh, firing their team president today. Only kind of. He's still going to stay in the organization in a, another kind of higher-up management role. Are the Knicks the worst-run franchise <laughs> in professional sports right now? Wow. Oh, there's some, I mean, they get the biggest spotlight because they are the headliner at Madison Square Garden and they play in the biggest market in North America and the largest city in North America and they're kind of the team, no knock on the New York Rangers, but if you think of Manhattan, downtown New York, you think of the New York Knicks. Yeah. So they get more of a spotlight, but there are some really poorly run organizations, Klein. Like the Cleveland Browns are knocking on the door saying, hey, what mm -hmm. about us? Like, look at how bad we run our team. I, I, I don't know if people are as acutely aware of how poorly run the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. Uh, they're knocking on the door, you know, and from a hockey standpoint. The Edmonton Oilers have uh, had a good, uh, you know, they seem like they're finally coming out of it, but the Edmonton Oilers were uh, right there at the table with those big boys for a long time. So are the New York Knicks the worst run? No, I have to go with the Cleveland Browns still. But the Knicks, they sure do like to make farces of themselves and then make it worse the next time. They're they're definitely at that table. They're definitely uh, they're definitely having drinks with some of these clowns. No doubt about it. <laughs> uh, I just you talk about all, all those things you just mentioned about how it's Manhattan and it's the, this big spotlight, and they have somehow turned that mystique into not being able to get anybody. Because of their mismanagement. Like Cleveland, you can sit no matter how well run, some players just don't want to go to Cleveland. And the, the same thing for Ottawa and Edmonton. But it's the Knicks. It's Madison Square Garden. There should still be some form of an allure. And you've been so bad for so long that you've taken that away. They've won one playoff series since they lost to the Raptors in 2001. That's was, that the, was that the Vince years. Carter graduation day? Uh, well, the Raptors beat the Knicks in that series and then lost to the the, right. the 76ers, right. which was the, uh, the the graduation one. Yes. Right. So that was that was that era of team. That was the last time, uh, like the mm. Knicks. Oh, so yeah, the Knicks didn't even win then. They've won one playoff series uh, since ninety nine two thousand. That's really good, Klein. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, like, and it's the Knicks. Like it's Madison Square Garden, and you've completely just ruined. All of that. So yeah, I I uh, I think you so play. So they, they good take ones, the but... cake for you, hey? Yes, yes, they do. Oh, I like it. Oh, they're so bad. It's a good thing you're not a Knicks fan. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, I can't imagine being a Knicks fan. 
That's your three burning questions on a Tuesday game day from the Scotiabank Saddledome. As we continue along on Pinder and Steinberg, don't forget to tune in Mondays. I always say Mondays for some reason. Don't forget to tune in weekdays for full disclosure with Will Nault. Brought to you by BMW Motorworks. You love your BMW. Give it the attention it deserves. Motorworks has BMW certified technicians and will beat any competitor's quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street Southeast or Google Motorworks Calgary. Let's keep the Flames conversation going next. Pinder and Steinberg continues around the corner with Pinder as we're live from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.